Hello. Hey. I hear Polly. I hear Tim. Do I hear Jonathan? Hello. Well, hello, Jonathan. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, you sound like perhaps you uh, were just uh, resurrected from the grave. Oh, man. Oh, I forgot how ridiculous it is that you guys do this so early. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm even Eastern time zone now. So I get to do it an hour later than before. <laughs> it's a whole different world, isn't it? That extra hour. <laughs> no, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> All right, Aaron, before you say anything, I'm yes. going to see if we're recording. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And the answer is yes. Yes, I am recording as well. Wayne you know why, Paul? and Andrew won't be joining us. You know why I'm recording, Paul? I'm a professional. Oh, you're recording because it's automatic. <laughs> <laughs> so why isn't Wayne joining us? Family reunion. Like, he, like any of his family wants to see him. It, it's like a, a meat market for Wayne at the family market. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't date at the at the family reunion. This is Tim. This is Jonathan. Look who we found. That went smoother than I expected it. I expected someone to talk over the other. <laughs> <laughs> I expected them to battle to the death for the third position in line. No, you, you lose your seniority. <laughs> Back of the bus. Yeah, I, I. it was unspoken rule. I knew. I would have fought for it. It's always good when Jonathan knows his place. <laughs> <laughs> Little spoon. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Well, welcome back, Jonathan. Thanks. So, Jonathan, just thanks. That's all <laughs> so, Jonathan has returned from uh, his time in jail after murdering a man. Murdering a hobo. <laughs> murdering a hobo. But you only get four years for that. That's so, right. if you well, really want to do it, it's kind of worth it. In Florida, you know, it's only four years. <laughs> yeah. In Virginia, it's probably only like four months. Yeah. In Texas, it's probably like an overnight visit. Oh, no. In Texas, it's death row. We, we kill them hard here in Texas. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a $5 fee, and it's on your fishing license. <laughs> it's like the hobo hostel up in Texas. So I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show or not, but have we talked about how terrible the Will Wheaton project is? I believe we have, but you can go ahead and do it again. Well, I, I just want to point out that I, I, I continue to watch it because I keep hoping it's going to get better. 
And they did something on a show I watched last night that was freaking hysterical. Oh. And you, you know how we have our master tweet theater where we read the tweets? They had Skeletor reading the tweets. And they were all rage tweets. <laughs> it was hysterical, Paul. Hmm. And it's the only time I have ever laughed on that show. And I'm just like, oh, I, see, I just need a show with just Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need the Will Wheaton Project. We need the Skeletor Project. Skeletor Project. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have this. So, same subject, essentially. It, the, Halloween, like the John Carpenter Halloween movie with Michael Myers. Okay. Favorite horror film of all time. Yeah, I know. I'm still disgusted by this, but go ahead. Well, it's kind of tied with the thing. Also, John Carpenter. Okay, that but, that, I, that I can support. So, you know, a couple years back, Rob Zombie remade Halloween. Yes. And it, it, it really, it was like irate. It was so bad. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, after I saw it, I'm like, but it's Michael Myers, and I love Michael Myers. Maybe I just need to give it another chance. I must, I, I think I've seen that movie probably a good 15 times, and I still hate it. This is a similar uh, practice that I have with Star Trek V. <laughs> it's not really as bad as I thought it was. No, no. It's just as terrible. And yeah. you've watched it again. <laughs> it never gets better, Aaron. I guess it's my long story short, it never gets better. <laughs> yeah. No, I have the same issue. Yeah, well, not with that. Project, movie, uh, yeah. I mean, was it after Sharknado 2? Is that why you watched it? Um, you know, I, I've got it. I, I haven't yet uh, discontinued my season pass on TiVo. And uh -huh. so it's it's there. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's 22 minutes. I can watch this. <laughs> it's you know, the thing is, is that I like Will Wheaton. It's just such a terrible show. And I feel bad for him every time I watch it. Like, you know, buddy, you know, hire a writer. <laughs> you, you don't have to like Will Wheaton. He's not a, he's not an actual charity, Aaron. I, but I do like him. And I just I feel bad for him on this show because he's just in a horrible, horrible show. And the, the sad thing is, is I don't think he knows it. It's kind of like watching all those actors in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. They didn't realize they were in a terrible show. Hey, Will Wheaton was there, too. Not in the first season. I know. Right. <laughs> so, it's just sad. It's just oh. sad. Well, keep trying. I'm it's sure it'll like get John better any day now. It's kind of like Jonathan on Funny Books. He doesn't realize what a terrible show he's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to, someone needs to hire a writer for this. <laughs> We could only benefit. Yeah. At least a transition writer. We need one of those. Yeah. But then you'd hear us reading the transition. So, you know what that has in common. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if we had a writer, there there would be some there'd be some person personnel changes. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> We're just saying. <laughs> I'm not that, I don't even want to know who we're considering. I'm assuming no, it's more like you know, you know, right. you know I like I like everybody here, but uh, it's a sausage fest up in here. <laughs> That's the first conversation. But Jonathan's back. We're good now. <laughs> That's fair. I, I'll be your lady, Thor. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> would too. <laughs> because you know what they say about Thor, Aaron. Once you go Thor, you never go back. I was going to say Thor knows how to fuck. That's true. Thor does know how to fuck. <laughs> I like that Captain America pansy. Thor brings the hammer. <laughs> I was really drunk. <laughs> so, transitioning somehow. 
to uh, last week when we recorded. We recorded, uh, you know, we record on Saturday morning, so we recorded kind of right in the middle of San Diego Comic Con. And we talked about some potential news that may come up, and, you know, we had talked about Friday night's uh, announcements. Uh, one of the things we talked about was Marvel's upcoming slate of movies, which, um, you know, we, we had seen a, a, a picture of Marvel's upcoming movie slate. Marvel still to date has not really confirmed nor denied, uh, to my knowledge, but at the same time, none of those were announced at the at the Marvel panel. The only one that was announced was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, with the date that was on that picture, actually. That 2017 date. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but they, they also just called it Guardians of the Galaxy 2, not Guardians of the Galaxy War of Kings, like it showed in the picture, so... I don't know if that picture is is still accurate or not, but um, no confirmation one way or the other. You know, uh, until Axel Arod calls me up and says, uh, uh, you know, that it's wrong. Axel Alonso, sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, until Arod like, calls me with some steroids. Yeah. <laughs> until Axel Alonso calls me and says that it's wrong, it's gospel. Just saying. Gotcha. Um, now I got to say. Uh, not a ton of announcements at San Diego Comic-Con. I think most of the news came out before. There was nothing in the way of mind-blowing news like there has been in years past. Like last year, they announced Batman Superman. Um, you know, this year we, we got footage, we got some trailers, we got some cool, you know, you know, uh, further information on a bunch of stuff and a bunch of actors showed up, but nothing really new except for two announcements um, that um, one of them came completely out of left field. And that came at the Legendary Pictures panel. You know, they talked about Godzilla 2 and, you know, they're going to have Rodan and Mothra or whatever in Godzilla 2, which is great news. <clears throat> and then at the end of the panel, they showed a teaser trailer for a film that no one knew they were working on, which is called Skull Island and is going to be a prequel to King Kong. I haven't heard about this. Yeah, uh, they, they, they apparently they're working on a Skull Island movie. Is Peter Jackson working on this? You know, because he did the King Kong movie. You know, he's free now, but they did not announce any of the create uh, the creative cast. Hmm. Um, they hmm. just showed a, a preview of you know some Skull Island. Apparently, King Kong you know will be in it. I, I'm curious as to how that's going to work, given that you know are they going to find are there going to be human actors in it at all or. They you know, haven't finalized Peter Jackson, Aaron, but Peter Gabriel, he's in. Because <laughs> they're going to shock the monkey? Yeah. <laughs> it is rumored. <laughs> nice. Uh, that Joe Cornish is um, one of the directors who they are pursuing for the project. I don't know who that is. Joe Cornish, um, he directed the movie Attack the Block. I don't know what and that he, is. It's, it's a great movie. <laughs> and he works a lot with uh, Edgar Wright. He was one of the original writers of the Ant-Man movie. He worked on um, – I feel like for the joke, I need to say I don't know who that is, but sadly I do. <laughs> yeah, he worked on Bring It On, you know, <laughs> tremendous franchise that that was. Yeah, he, he's typically just a writer. He worked on Hot Fuzz. He worked on Tintin. Um, oh, well, Tintin. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, no. Well, he worked on Tintin. So did Peter Jackson. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, so they they announced that Skull Island. So I guess Peter Jackson is not being pursued to direct, but then again, you never know. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, so inter I mean, just totally out of left field announcement. I'm very curious to to hear more about that. And the other announcement that um, came out at the Marvel panel was that they announced three new Star Wars comic series starting in 2015. 
Which is not a tremendous surprise. We knew that, that Marvel was going to be picking up those properties. No, but what is surprising is that all three of them seem to take place immediately after Star Wars Episode Four. Yeah. Which is the exact same time period as the current Star Wars series from Dark Horse. So I guess they're just scrapping that shit entirely. Yeah, I think all of the Dark Horse stuff immediately comes out of continuity. Yeah, but that just kills it. I mean, that would just yeah. kill the sales. Like, hey, that book you're reading right now, we're just going to completely disregard it yeah. in six months. Yeah. Um, so the three series but they announced. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That is what that is what tends to happen when you know the property changes companies. True. Very true. I mean, you, usually they don't they don't carry other other companies' continuity. Because why help that person's sales? Yeah. Fuck yeah, that exactly. guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> So they announced Star Wars, written by Jason Aaron and drawn by John Cassidy. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about the Jason Aaron portion of that. It's the John Cassidy that I've got some concerns about. Yeah, but he can do some uh, – he, he's good with faces. He, you know, he is good if he's got the right anchor working with him. You sure. know, But, you know, we saw in his Uncanny Avengers work that if you don't have him matched up appropriately, it just looks like ass. True, very true. You know, so I, I'm, I'm hoping – you know, John Cassidy has got a great name as a cover artist, and when he's when he is uh, supported properly, like his uh, X Men work with Joss Whedon, that stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you, you just got to match the right talent to him, and and I, you know, knock on wood, we hope that happens. Well, and give him enough of an advance notice, you know. So, Absolutely. so I'd imagine he's probably only on for the first arc, and we'll get a different artist for the second arc. But um, they're also doing Star Wars Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen and Salvador Larocca. You know that's gonna that's gonna rock. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be so hot. <laughs> it's just gonna be so hot. Well, consider I mean considering Kieran Gillen's work on the Young Loki stuff. Uh huh. You know he can he can write a bad guy. Yeah. And uh, the other one is Star Wars. Um, that was a miniseries, and the other uh, is a miniseries called Star Wars Princess Leia from Mark Wade and Terry Dodson. That also looks really good. Yeah. And the fact that you got Mark Wade writing it is. Uh... You know, it, it is is really very promising, and it's that's just a miniseries. But there, there's a lot of talk that it may go to uh, full book. Hmm. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. So, I mean, those are uh, those were really the only announcements that came out that we didn't already know. Yeah. Um, you know, they they showed some footage from. Uh, well, they didn't show. They probably showed footage that will not actually be in the movie from Batman Superman. And Batman has, that been, Superman. has that been released online yet? I haven't seen it. Not officially. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's only 10 seconds long. I mean, you see Batman standing on a rooftop wearing armor, and Superman kind of like gets glowy red eyes at him, and Batman looks back, and then it ends. And it looks like the armor from Dark Knight, right? Yes. Yeah. V- very much so. Yeah. So yeah, I, I saw like a, a screenshot of it, and I was like, oh man, that's hot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's really hot. Um, and then they, you know, they showed uh, some preview footage of Avengers and Ant Man, uh, none of which has been officially released online. Does it seem strange that we don't have an Avengers teaser out yet? A little like, bit. That, I mean, it seems like we should have had. I was actually expecting that on Guardians. Uh, yeah. In fact, let's talk a little bit about that. So, Guardians of the Galaxy came out this week, and Jonathan, I know you haven't seen it. Are you going to keep your headset on? It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> So if, it, if I was anyone out there listening, you know, I'd wait. I'd wait to see it. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait till it's uh, running all day long on TNT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the commercial breaks will, will, will enhance the experience. Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> I mean, do people still watch TV? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that was still a thing. I thought, you know, commercials, what happens on Hulu? <laughs> <laughs> TV is that thing that fills up the DVR. 
So, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy came out this week. Um, supposedly, not supposedly, I guess, um, the highest Thursday night opening of the year. Yeah, like $11 million on Thursday night. Yeah, so it, um, it did pretty well, which is – it's funny to me because, I mean, there were maybe 10 people in the sh- screening I went to yesterday morning. But I went at 10 a.m., so. I went at 10.30 a.m., and it was a full house. Really? Yeah. So I hope it does well. I mean, they say it's on track to make $90 million this weekend. Wow. Um, so we've been looking forward to this film for a while. And so I, Tim, Aaron, and I saw it. And did you, did you, Aaron, did you get your pin from AMC? I did not. What? Um, yeah, they, they were not handing out pins at my AMC. Uh, so I went to my AMC, <clears throat> and I, I pre-ordered my tickets online, and so I didn't wait at the box office, where, which is where you got your pins. But I went inside, and they had a box of pins in there as well. And every single pin had already been opened, which really? goes to tell me the employees opened every single pin just to see which ones were the rare ones and take them out. Oh, that sucks. Because there's a there was a rare pin that was one in one hundred, um, and it wasn't in that box. But every single one of them was opened. But since every single one of them was open, I got to choose my own. Right. Um, and I took two, so I got <laughs> <laughs> so I got Rocket Raccoon and uh, I got Gamora. I will say that you know while they weren't giving out pins at my theater, uh, they uh, I, I saw a picture online of what they looked like in their packet. It looked like they were getting giving out Guardians of the Galaxy condoms. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. I'm all in favor of that. <laughs> that needs to happen. So is the Rocket Raccoon one fuzzy? It is. It is. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Um, I also managed to sneak out with a poster from uh, – because they had posters for the Thursday night showing some Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And they had some in the bottom of the box where the pins were, so I took a couple. So Paul just started helping himself. <laughs> well, you know, if the employees are going to take away my chance at a, at, a, at one of the, the secret pins, then uh, it's what they get. <laughs> no. I'm, the, the, the guy saw me. I wasn't a being – I didn't steal – he squirrel pawed everything. <laughs> and then I movie hopped all day. No. <laughs> Just that sounds better. <laughs> and then I uh, saw 22 Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 let's start with Tim. Tim, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, well, I, I, I must admit, I've, I've never read a Guardian of the Galaxy comic book. Hmm. So... You know, saying it was Marvel to me was kind of a didn't generally matter. Um, but I I must say I I laughed through the whole movie. I had a good time. Um, I was I th- I thought of the Guardians. I actually thought Gamora was like the weakest one as far as like the acting goes. Like I really I was really surprised by Dave Batista. He did a really good job. And uh, anything with Rocket or Groot was was pretty freaking awesome. So. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'd... Bradley Cooper did not sound like Bradley Cooper to me, <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree. I, I agree with everything you said. Um, Dave Bautista surprised me. You know, he, he did much better in the role than I originally anticipated, given what and little Dave, I've seen of his acting chops. And David Bautista played Drax. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, you know, I, I don't know why that would be a surprise, though. Didn't didn't you see him in that uh, that kung fu movie? What was it? Uh, he was in a kung fu movie. Was he the, in the, the Expendables? Iron Fist. What? Iron he was Fist? in he was in one movie that he was a mook in. 
I don't even think he had lines. <laughs> so, yeah. I oh, you're right. Him. The man with the iron fist. No, I never saw that. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was great in that. Yeah, the movie directed by the RZA, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah the RZA. That's, that's who, yeah. Are, are, you, are you fucking with me right now, or is this just a serious <laughs> conversation? <laughs> no, I, I am genuinely saying that I liked Batista in that film. Huh. I never saw it. I mean, it looked interesting. <laughs> See it. That's what you should have been doing instead of seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, I, I, I was worried going into it because I, I had very high expectations uh, for the film. Uh, you know, and, and when that tends to happen, I tend to be disappointed. And I got to tell you, my expectations were exceeded. Uh, I loved every moment of the movie. I I thought that that it was more emotionally honest uh, than any of the other Marvel movies have been. I actually I got to say. And it may just be because I'm so excited uh, about how how well they did the movie, but I think it's the best of the Marvel movies so far. Um, I'm I, still I, debating. I mean, it's certainly I, up there. I think it's far and away better than Winter Soldier. Um, I mean, you know, and, that, and that's the the one that I'm most recently comparing it to. There are moments in Winter Soldier which I, that I was just bored out of my mind, and at no point was I bored in this film. And I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that uh, I just there was so much. Number one, there's so much fresh in the movie. You know, you while a, a lot of it is heavily based on uh, Andy Lanning and uh, Dan Abnett's run on Guardians of the Galaxy, they did so much new stuff with the characters. Um, and so, you know, even as a as a, a person who is very familiar with this property, I was surprised, you know, at every turn on what they were doing with these characters. Um, I was thrilled to see how much Thanos we saw and how well Thanos was done. I, I mean, the I, I was not at all excited to see the collector as played by Benicio del Toro because of how bad that stinger reel was uh, at the end of Thor: The Dark World. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did not annoy me. Uh, I still don't like him because I don't like Benicio Del Toro. But, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of him. (laughs) So, yay. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he was handled better in this film. You know, Uh, you know, he was he was there to do his thing and he they got him off the off the stage. But, you know, like Tim said, every time Rocket Raccoon and Groot are on the screen, the movie is magic. I mean, it really is. I am. I am amazed at how well Bradley Cooper did Rocket Raccoon. I wasn't wild about his casting for it, but man, he made the character come alive. I was very, very pleased with that. And they got a lot out of Groot. And that goes to, I I think it has very little to do with Vin Diesel. I think it's got a lot to do with the CGI animators. You know, the... uh, the 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 facial expressions, the t- the the timing, so the directing and editing were, were amazing. Um, the sixty the, seconds of graphic designers that you saw in the credits. Yeah, absolutely. Literally yeah. sixty seconds. Like, oh my god. Yeah, no, it just, I mean, it, it employed a small nation. <laughs> yeah, India. They're all Indian names. They, just, right. they employed India. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think one of the things that that, that really works for the movie um, has got to be the writing and. One of the things that that certain science fiction movies, such as Star Trek, have not been able to do is have this organic humor that's native to the setting and native to those characters. 
And, you know, a lot of times when when Star Trek makes a joke, it's awkward. We all feel a little silly after, you know, a little embarrassed. But the humor was so natural in this movie. And it starts right from the get go. You know, him him, uh, you know, listening to his jam, you know, uh, as he's, you know, getting ready to steal something. I mean, the the whole movie is just layered so well with 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 writing and humor and character and plot. And I mean, I just I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I cannot think of the last time I was this happy about a movie experience. And I'm I'm going to mirror what you guys have said. I mean, I, I, I thought the movie was fantastic. I thought the five leads perfectly cast. Um, you know, I wasn't sure about Chris Pratt, mostly because I was unfamiliar with the guy. Exactly. But he did fantastic. He did yeah. great as Star-Lord. He did the Star-Lord that I am used to, to reading from the DNA books. Right. Um, yeah, Zoe Saldana. From, I'm sorry. Not from, the crap, not from the crappy Bendis books. but No, which we're going to talk but, about here in a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zoe Saldana, she's just great in everything. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I love seeing her on the screen. Uh, Dave Bautista, we talked about as Drax. Vin Diesel, I mean, he did fine as Groot. Um, it, it really, when you're talking about Groot, you're really more talking about the uh, the animation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas Rocket really was more of a combination of animation and voice. And Bradley Cooper, very few times could I listen to the voice and say, okay, that's Bradley Cooper. In general, you know, he did a good job of disguising his voice. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, those five were great. Michael Rooker as Yondu. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, and nothing like Yondu from the comic no, book. You know, no, Yondu from the comic character. book is, is uh, you know, is really kind of a, a to, for, for a comparison, a Native American, you know, spirit warrior kind of guy that's an outer space alien. And, you know, Yondu is, you know, redneck space alien. <laughs> yeah, in the movie. I mean, not too dissimilar from his role from The Walking Dead, <laughs> you know. True. Uh, yeah. But I mean, uh, he, but he was still an interesting character in yes, that capacity. Yeah, and he was hysterical. Absolutely. Yeah. Now Lee Pace as Ronan. I don't know. He he was kind. Of, he he just hadn't needed to stand there and look menacing. And I think you could have done that with any number of actors. Right. Um. You know. Same. Quite frankly, with Benicio del Toro as the collector. I know you're not a fan of Benicio del Toro. I actually like Benicio del Toro. Mm-hmm. And. You could have put anyone in that role. I could have played the collector. I mean, he, 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 you, he, you, you could you could have put David Bowie in there, and then I wouldn't have to oh, lose a bet to my wife. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was just it, it, like he didn't really bring anything unique to the role. The collector no. showed up. He stood there. Uh, I mean, he didn't. He, there was no. There was nothing unique about the character. Yeah, I mean, both both the collector and Ronan were necessary, you know, to move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. But neither 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 actor was provided a whole lot of opportunity, Agreed. and and that's because the screen's dominated by the by the you know the Guardians cast. Yeah, you know by 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 that core team of heroes, and I think that's one of the things that's a real success in the movie is that there you know when you've got a movie like Avengers and everybody loves the Hulk and Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, you know, you're, you're fighting for how much screen time each one of those characters is going to get. But with a property like guardians where you're, where the general public's expectation is so low, there's none of that. You know, you're just, you're getting the story that you get. And I, I think they, they did a really good job of put, putting all these characters together and the, you didn't feel like they were fighting for screen time. Agreed. You know? And, uh, you know, even some of the minor characters had moments to shine, like John C. Riley, um, who I, I normally hate. But, I mean, his 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 short time in the film was meaningful. 
mm-hmm. um, in the film, and Peter uh, Serafinowicz, the guy from that? that's the guy from Shaun of the Dead, the asshole roommate. He played Denarian Saul in this. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he I, was good. He, he was, was great. Good. I love yeah. that guy. I mean, you know, I love him in everything I see him in, but he's usually just kind of there. He was actually the voice of Darth Maul, if you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was. It, it, you know, he he did a a good job in this movie as well. So. You know, I love when they're talking with Nova Prime, and she's like, "Do you believe in that?" And he says, "Well, you know, not everyone is one hundred percent of a dick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I thought the movie was great. I, I really did enjoy it. It's it's the first movie I've seen in a long time where I'm like, I'm going to see that again in the theater. Yeah, same here. There's a uh, lot to see on the screen. You know, it's it's one of the. I, I say, I think this is another success of the film. They didn't hide the special effects and dark scenes. No. You know, you yeah, could there, it wasn't see all, all rainy. <laughs> yeah, you could see all the special effects. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, the fight on Xandar is brilliantly lit. You mm-hmm. know, you get to see it all. You know, it was these League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Thor: The Dark World, where they're just going to hide it in the dark. You know, I, I, I really dug, uh, I really dug the movie, and I, I got to say, I was surprised um, that while the stinger was fun. Um, it did not lead us into the next Marvel movie. Yeah, so that was a, a slight disappointment on my end. And I, you know, here's one thing people people are saying: this is not a superhero movie by any stretch of the imagination. Right. You know, th- this is a Star Wars esque space adventure. You know, don't go in expecting. It really, it, it is only loosely tied to the Avengers in the appearance of Thanos and uh, the Infinity Gems. Which, gotta tell you, when they were talking about the Infinity Gems, freaking awesome. Hey, I do have a question for you. Yes. Which gem was it that they were playing with in the movie? That is a good question. They have not really named them. It's well, the purple one. <laughs> well, I'm sitting there going, I, the the powers that it had really weren't translating to what we know in the comics. And I know that the the you know two different mediums, two different realities. But I, I was just trying to place it, and I, it wasn't it wasn't ringing a bell for me. Is it the Power Stone? Maybe. Maybe, but because the the. The last one, the, the one in uh, uh, the Avengers was the uh, mind gem, right? The mind gem, right? That's how he was able to control people. And the power gem was the one in, um, I'm assuming, the one in Thor: The Dark World. So is it is this the same gem then? No, I this can't... was a different gem. Yeah. This, I believe, was like we said, the um, the the no, it can't be the space gem. Maybe know. this was the power gem. I don't know. I'm sure that there's a, a comic book resources article out there on this that will uh, that will you know clear it all up for us. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron is outsourcing the, the extreme nerdum. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've not actually clarified, and I'm sure they will at some point. But because um, at this point we've seen three of the Infinity Stones, so I figure that Jim Starlin's got to be pretty happy. Oh yeah, well you know what? Anyone who's a fan of Jim Starlin or the DNA run on um, Marvel's Galactic Universe. Is right. going to love the hell out of this movie. Right. Anyone who's a fan of Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know what to tell you because the comic you're reading sucks. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. So I got caught up on my Guardians of the Galaxy. I think a couple of months ago I talked about how I was going to be out on that book because I did not care for Bendis' writing on the book. But we're about to get into the explanation of Nova and the Cancerverse. You know, what happened to Nova? What happened to Richard yeah. Rider in the Cancerverse? Yeah. And so I thought, eh, I'll go ahead and get caught up. Um, so I picked up Guardians of the Galaxy 16 and 17 this week, and I read them in one sitting. Sorry about that. It's a terrible book. Yes, it is. It is just not a good book. 
Um, you know, so the, one of the reasons I dropped out is I, I had felt that we had seen the same storyline three times now in 16 issues of the book, which was Guardians of the Galaxy, they're all kidnapped separately and separated. And that all rather resolves itself rather easily. Considering they're in space, they just kind of start running into each other um, towards the end of the storyline. And it's just kind of – it's all resolved except for Flash Thompson as Venom has gone off into space and not rejoined the Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of begs the question, why did they even have him in the book in the first place? Exactly. Because he was basically in one issue with them before they all got separated. Right. Um, so you know, issue 17, art by Nick Bradshaw and Mike Avon Oming, it was just really not very good. No, it sucked. It was yeah. terrible. I mean and – for this to be the issue that they've got out when the movie debuts is really a failure on Marvel's part. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I like Bendis, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, his X-Men books here in a bit because I got caught up on them. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's not the Guardians guy. No, he's not. He is nothing like the Guardians guy. Yeah, which is funny because Marvel this week also put out a 100th anniversary special. And this was the week of um, – me buying things I said I wasn't going to buy. <laughs> Is it because it was a light week in comics, Paul? It really was. And you just had money burning a hole in your pocket? Yeah, it was a payday week. Um, mm. So this week, uh, Marvel 100th anniversary, I said I wasn't going to buy anymore after reading the, the, the Spider-Man one. Now, but, let me ask you a question about it before, yes. before you move on. Uh, did you buy it uh, digitally or on paper? I bought it in paper. Okay, keep going. Because um, it, it kind of had – it occurs to me that – if I buy it in paper, I'm paying the same as the digital copy. I'm actually paying a little bit less because my comic shop gives me a discount for having a pull. Right. And I get both the paper and the digital. So if I want to give the digital copy to someone, two people can enjoy the book for less than the cost of me just buying it digitally. Gotcha. Um, so I bought Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 100th Anniversary, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, friend right. of the podcast Ron Mars, art by Gustavo Duarte and Edgar Delgado. And so on the flip side – I really enjoyed this book. Mm -hmm. um, so in this book, we've got uh, Silver Surfer has been – their Galactus basically has bonded with Silver Surfer. He's Silver Galactus now. He's Silver Galactus. Um, and you know, you've know, you got the Guardians of the Galaxy as they are supposed to be portrayed in 2063, I guess, um, You know, fighting him. And it's much the same team. You've still got Groot. Um, you've got Iron Man who's made of nanobots instead of actually being Tony Stark. Um, you've got Drax, and you've got the new Star-Lord, who is, spoiler, uh, Gamora, and you have Rocket and the Raccoons, his kids. So, Aaron, what did you think of this book? Well, first off, I bought it digitally. Okay. And it's important to note, you know, when it goes into your your library, you know, in Comixology, you get the little icons that, tell, you know, kind of sort things out by title. And so I bought it on Wednesday, and so I was going in to uh, read it last night, and I couldn't find it. And I see that I've got this icon for Marvel 100th Anniversary Fantastic Four. And I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> Thinking that I had bought the, uh, the, the, the wrong 100th Anniversary book. And I really had no <laughs> desire to read the 100th Anniversary of the Fantastic Four. So I opened it up. And, you know, fortunately, what they've done is they, they're, they're, they're grouping all the 100th Anniversary books together. So I had the Fantastic Four icon but it was actually guardians of the galaxy so i had this moment of crisis that that you know i had the wrong book but i actually had the right book and you're absolutely right paul this was a very enjoyable book um 
I find it interesting on the uh, you know introduction page where they kind of give you a synopsis of what's going on in this world. Uh, they've got the the you know character list, and they've got Charlie twenty seven. And you flip to the very next page, and he's Charlie seventy two. <laughs> Charlie twenty Charlie twenty seven is is what he was called in the original run of Guardians of the Galaxy uh, by Gene Colan and I forget the other guy, uh, and so I don't know if they if he's actually supposed to be Charlie seventy two in this story or if someone if was, that was dyslexic or something. Yeah, but you know it's lettered. I mean it's not just like you know it, it's lettered. It cracks yeah. me up. But uh, no, I thought this book was a lot of fun. I wish that uh, it was done a little cartoony. Um, yeah, the art which, was definitely more on the um, the Rocket Raccoon by Scotty Young, right? And type. and and I I don't enjoy that as much. Um, and and I think that I think this book would have been fantastic had it had a more serious tone to the art. Mm-hmm. But it was it was it was a fun book. Um, you know, it's it's crazy, weird, wild stuff. You know, with your with your Silver Galactus. Um, I. I I like any book where we get to see Cosmo, the uh, talking Russian space dog. And that's one thing we didn't talk about in the movie is that, you know, I was hoping we'd just get a glimpse of Cosmo in the movie and we get three scenes with him. Yeah. And not talking, though, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but you you had that other character who showed up and I don't know that we're going to spoil that here, but. uh, But he talks. (laughs) And it's it's the voice of Seth Green. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that that was Seth Green. Yeah. But awesome to see that character. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. It was awesome no. to see that. We're not going to awesome. ruin it, but let's just say waiting 10 minutes for that, terrible. <laughs> totally worth it. Jonathan, do not waste your time. Do not wait after credits. Wait for the credits. Yeah. S- trust me. Just do it. I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm going to sit and wait after the credits. I mean, at this point it just makes good sense. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, you so, complained yeah. about I, I'm sorry. I was going to say you can complain about it next week with Tim. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I thought this was a good was a good book, Paul. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad I picked it up compared to the other hundredth anniversary edition. Um, and you know, I, I really I wouldn't mind seeing Andy Lanning and Ron Mars on the because I know Andy Lanning's not working with um, Dan Abnett Dan Abnett anymore. Yeah. So I mean, if if we can get Lanning and Mars on Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be I'd okay be with that. that. Did, did they have a falling out? Yeah, you know it's not been a public thing, but you know they they are no. It was very clear we are no longer working together. <laughs> you haven't invited one of them onto the podcast to discuss like what happened behind the scenes. Well, you know they're in London, so one of us either has to record really early or really late for that stuff to happen. Yeah, that's that's what that's what you gotta do if you're serious about being podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the advice. Yeah, yeah. Been missing podcasts for four years, but uh, you know if you're serious about this podcast shit, Paul, <laughs> get your ass up early. Uh, well, Jonathan, you've been quiet for a while, so you know sticking with the science fiction theme, Jonathan and I read Low from uh, Image Comics this week, written by Rick Remender. I read that. Oh, you read that too? I read Low. Oh, we okay. talked about this. What the hell? Well, I don't listen to the things you say. Damn it. <laughs> Paul, I, I just want to say that I really thought you were trolling me here when I when I get the book and I'm like, Rick Remender. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, and I, I was I was really surprised that uh, it, it wasn't actually the story. I thought the story was fine. I hated the art. I hated the way the book looked. 
and uh, I, I have to say, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the story. It's, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of, you know, looking at the cover, you get kind of a Bioshock vibe. Yeah. To it. And there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, there's a mix of Bioshock, or if you're reading The Wake from uh, Vertigo, it's kind of similar to that as well. But the, the art by Greg Ticini was a little too abstract in places. I had a hard time following some of the more um, intense action sequences. So, so did I. And, and uh, I was trying to figure out are they underwater? Are they up in the sky because it like all that was not really clear. Like I had to go back and, and relook at things when, when I'm like, no, they're definitely underwater. And I'm like, these scenes just don't make sense. And uh, there was one, there was one point where they're talking about the going outside of their city and the brilliant landscape and they go out there and I'm like, that ain't impressive. <laughs> yeah. There's this double page spread and I'm like, well, it, it, it really doesn't look all that great to me. But uh, Aaron, what do you think of Low? Well, you know, kind of, kind of a lot of what you guys are saying. I, I like the artwork um, in terms of wow, that's well rendered. But in terms of it telling the story, I didn't think that it was particularly. Uh, I, I didn't feel like it met that uh, that that objective quite well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved the the scenes at the at the beginning of the book where. Uh, the two characters are, are, you know, she's getting dressed. He's, you know, talking to her from the couch. You know, I, I, I thought those scenes were really well composed artistically. They just didn't tell the story. And particularly when you, when you move further along, when, you know, they, they start, you know, they're fully clothed and they're, they're moving through the city and, you know, talking to their kids and whatnot, the more detailed the story became, the less I was able to follow what was going on visually. Yeah, so, so so I completely you know support what you guys are saying that that it was kind of hard to follow. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the story enough. I thought it was an interesting premise, particularly after having read the afterward by Rick Remender at the end of the book. Um, you know, kind of talking about where he got the idea for the story, but it's not enough for me to come back. I, I kind of feel about it the same way I felt about Black Science. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't need to read it. I, I I was really disheartened by the by the afterward because uh, in it he mentions that he really wanted to work with this artist again. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> there's no chance he's going to be off this book now. <laughs> no, it's 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 a, it's a team book. They're 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 on it together. Um, you know, it, the, the, speaking of the art, and you were talking about the first couple of pages. It cracked me up because in the first couple of pages, it's you know the, these two people they just had sex and yeah, it's all uh, post-coitus. It's all post-coitus, and you know the first couple of pages they, they're being very careful to not show any nudity. You know, like his legs are crossed in the right manner. She's being blocked by a computer screen or a shadow or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you flip the page and she's butterball naked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did like the Austin Powers thing, and then it was like page five. They're like, ah, fuck it, and she's just butterball naked. I just thought that was really like, oh, okay, so 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 we're not we're not going that way with it. Um, but it, you know, some of the art took on a a very loose Frazetta quality to me, mm-hmm. um, especially you know the the cover of uh, issue two it just looks like something Frazetta would have done, but it's it's too loose in the action sequences. Like you said, it's you know there are some pinup worthy shots, um, you know there are some beautiful you know beautifully rendered shots, but. You know, as as far as a storytelling art, not successful to me. Yeah, I, I was I was frustrated that when the the daughters and the mom were all in the same panel, I couldn't tell who was who. 
Oh yeah, I mean sometimes I didn't know who was talking at all in those right. panels. Um, you know, and I, I know that the daughter, one daughter was blonde and the mom was blonde too, but you really should be able to tell the difference between a nine-year-old and a 30-year-old. Well, but, you know, Rick Remender apparently has that problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> According to the internet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, so let me talk about that a little bit. So I got caught up on Rick Remender's Captain America run. I had dropped out pretty much immediately after the, um, the dimension or the wars or dimension dimension Z storyline mm-hmm. uh, with John Romita Jr. and you and I both enjoyed that. Yes, um, but it, they followed it up with a storyline featuring the character Nuke. Um, out, out, and I dropped it, dropped it hard and fast, like a, like a hot potato. I was out of there. But you know, my comic shop guy has still been pulling the goddamn book for me. Well, yeah, because he he's taking care of you, Paul. Yeah, he, he, he's putting me on ransom because I can't put it back <laughs> on the shelf. Um, but you know, I was like, well, I what I'll do is I'll get caught up. Um, and since this was kind of a slower week, I got caught up on that and the X-Men books, and we'll get to that in a second. So I got caught up on Remender's Captain America because you know they're they're about to replace Captain America with Falcon, and you know it's going to be a brand new number one again, written by Rick Remender, but with art by Stuart Amonin. Love Stuart Amonin. Yeah, absolutely. Really, I do like Remender most of the time, um, but I gotta say the Captain America book has been terrible. Um, so I, you know, I've, after the nuke arc, there was a story called the iron nail, which basically features, you know, two new villains or villains that I'm not familiar with. Dr. Mind bubble. Yes. That's the character's name. <laughs> um, and, and his distinguishing characteristic is that he has a bubble blower that pops out of his forehead and the bubbles control people's minds. Huh. Um, an iron nail who transform, who's, uh, an Asian man who transforms into a dragon. Um, and in this storyline, at the end of the storyline, Captain America, the super serum is basically sucked from his veins, and he turns into an old guy. Um, and I gotta say, it was terrible. And the scene in which Captain America, you know, turns into an old guy, it just felt like a regular fight sequence. There was nothing, you know. I mean, at the end of it, he 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 looks old, but I'm like, oh oh, so so that big thing that's a huge deal just kind of happened in the middle of a fight. Like it's not really elaborated or exaggerated or, you know, really kind of focused on as, as an important piece of the storyline. It just kind of happens in the middle of a fight. Um, And I don't know if that's an artistic choice or, uh, you know, the writer's choice, but really all around, um, I did not enjoy the Iron Nail storyline at all. What about the pederasty? Did you enjoy the pederasty? (laughs) It, It is, you know, here's the thing for anyone who's read the book consistently, it's quite obvious. She's not. <laughs> she is not young anymore. Um, you know, she was young when they first met. Um, you know, but it, he was in Dimension Z for eleven years, right. so she is somewhere around twenty-three now, and it, it, that is very clear in the storytelling. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just it's not been a good book at all, at all. And it's tied into some of the things that are going on in New Avengers with Red Skull. Right. Um, but it, it greatly concerns me that this is the stuff that's going to be feeding the new Axis crossover because um, it's it is just really not well told at all and so I was really disappointed in Captain America I'm going to re-talk to my comic shop guy about dropping it um, <laughs> I, I, I'd just like to, to point out uh, that I think that Marvel's making a huge mistake with some of the changes they're making on their books I know that you guys have already talked about the, the female Thor and and Black Falcon becoming uh, Captain America. He's just Falcon. He's not Black Falcon. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, he's just Falcon. <laughs> but he's going to well. be blacked in America. <laughs> Well, that's embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> Wesley Snipes is going to play him. <laughs> Fire Aaron Head. <laughs> but no, I, 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 all right. You've got, uh, you've got all these people going out and watching the movies, right? Like you're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, which should have been more of a niche thing, is, uh, is killing it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I'm not saying that that it's going to be natural for people to be like, oh, I'm going to go read a comic book. But some people might. And it's going to be awkward when, say, they go see like people. Maybe they saw Thor the Dark World and then they go to grab a comic book and they're like, why is why is Thor check? (laughs) Well, and I think I, I, I think, you know, for me, what that tells me is. This is all going to be reversed <laughs> when Avengers Age of oh, Ultron yeah. comes out next year. Everyone's going to be back to the way we know them in the movies. Yeah, no, I, I don't see anything. Any, any of this stuff is, is any more permanent than at the most 12 issues. Well, and Marvel doesn't help themselves in that in that they announced at Comic-Con. Here's another one that um, we didn't really talk about. A new ongoing S.H.I.E.L.D. series, um, I believe co-written by Mark Wade. Um, that introduces the characters from the Shield TV series, but in the Marvel continuity. Um, you know, basically more mirroring the Marvel continuity with the movie continuity. So, female Thor, uh, Black Falcon being Captain America. Um, I, I don't see those as uh, permanent changes. In fact, you know, I'd be surprised if they lasted more than a year. Really? Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't think any of these things are going to last more than twelve issues. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, you know, uh, Lady Thor is around and, until, you know, until probably the Avengers movie, mm-hmm. you know, so probably less than 12 issues. It's uh, it's been four years, but Marvel still needs a reboot. I disagree. Uh, just going to throw that out there. They just need to wipe <laughs> the slate clean and get in line with what the movies are doing. The movies are doing better comic books than the comics, at least from when I was reading them. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I would agree with you on Captain America. <laughs> Thor's been pretty good, though. Uh, yeah, Thor's been great. You know, and so we talked about Bendis' work on Guardians of the Galaxy, how we're not enjoying it. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I, I got caught up on my X Men and, uh, um, excuse me, all new X Men and Uncanny X Men. Um, now that you know, Uncanny is kind of is in that last will and testament of Charles Xavier storyline. Uh, so I'm all caught up through issue 24 that came out this week. And, you know, I really do enjoy the X-Men books. I think, you know, I think Bendis has a good... I think he's got a good handle handle on these. Yeah, I think he's got a great handle on these characters. That being said, I think the two books are essentially... has essentially become interchangeable. I Uh, would agree with that as well. I I think they just are... are, You might as well just call it X-Men and make it bi-weekly. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, the way the Superman books used to be, where you had to look at the number on the shield <laughs> to know where you were, because, I mean, that's they, they, they really do dovetail into each other. So does, Uncan- does Uncanny focus on the younger X-Men? Yes. That Yeah, that's just dumb, then. Yes, but, well, because the younger X-Men at the end of... Right. Uh, I don't know, some storyline, they went and lived with uh, Cyclops, and that's the focus right. of, un- of Uncanny. But now that um, Jason Aaron is off of Wolverine and the X-Men, um, there's no one really – I mean, there is a Wolverine and the X-Men book, but those characters are also very prevalent in, in these books as well. So it, it's just kind of interchangeable at this point. Um, and they, they, they tie together hand in hand. And so – you know, and, and no more so than lately, you know, all new X-Men is dealing with, you know um, – Mystique's 
children. And in Uncanny X-Men, we're finding out in the last will and testament of Charles Xavier, spoilers, um, that apparently Xavier married Mystique um, a year before he died. So she's in his will. That's pretty random. I thought so as well. I thought so as well. Um, that kind, of, you know. I mean, if you've read, if you've been reading all new X Men, you know that you know Charles Xavier Junior. Um, like Mystique apparently had kids with Xavier and with Wolverine, and so because she, she's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently she's a gold digger. <laughs> Do you think that it was some kind of devil's three way? Was uh, Charles on one end and Wolverine on the other? I don't think it works that way, Harry. <laughs> I don't think she got. Hey, she's a mutant, Paul. Twice. Don't don't apply your normal judgments on her, she's Normie. Shape- Normie. <laughs> she's a shapeshifter. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Uncanny X Men twenty four is basically, you know, they have, you know, Dazzler has awoken from her uh, coma that was induced by Mystique, and they are, you know, now uh, She Hulk is um, reading the Last Will and Testament of Charles Xavier to the uh, the X-Men group and you know he wants all of the original X-Men and um, you know Wolverine and some of them to, to come together to listen to to the reading of the will so Aaron what did you think of uh, issue 24 you know I, this is another one of those books where I thought the writing was fantastic I could not abide the art um, I, I thought Bendis was you know this is the kind of thing that he really excels at it's a talky book it's very character driven um, you know, it's one of those things that drives uh, older writers crazy because, you know, a lot of the uh, the writers from back in the day, such as Chris Claremont, Len Wein, guys like that, believe you get in, you get out as fast as you can. But this is a, a prime example of Bendis's, uh, you know, uh, uh, decompressed storytelling. You know, he spent an entire issue in what, you know, writers of an earlier era would, would have spent maybe a page on, you know, and getting everybody together to talk about uh, Charles Xavier's will. Uh, but that said, I enjoyed all the character moments in this. You know, I, I liked the time that we got to spend with people reacting to what they were hearing. People, you know, really talking about how much they hate Scott Summers. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's... I, I can't read enough of the panels to say, I hate that son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I just, I, I really do get a kick out of that. And, uh, so it was, it was, I, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed that we bring, you know, she Hulk in to be, uh, Xavier's attorney. Uh, yeah, I thought that was cool. You know, the nice tie in with the she Hulk books that, uh, you know, we were, we were enjoying, but you know, uh, I hated the artwork in this book. Really? I mean, I, I thought it was fine. Um, I gotta say, I've 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 come to, I, and I know some you guys kind of are, uh, of of a different mind on Chris Bacalo's art. I like Chris Bacalo. But I, like I Chris yeah, Bacalo. I, I've liked the stuff he's done on Uncanny X Men. Yeah, uh, but this is Chris Anka, yeah. who does who does the artwork on this book, and I'm not familiar with Chris Anka, but uh, it it seemed like everything was drawn in shorthand. It it looked unfinished to me. Well, and um, I think it is. I, you know, I got the impression that this issue was rushed because I've seen his art on this book before, and it didn't look this yeah. rushed. Wait, is Chris Bocklo the one that was on Wolverine the X Men that was crappy, or the one that was semi good? It was the one that was crappy. The one, in my opinion. Okay. In your opinion, All yes. Right. Sorry, I retract my statement. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are two pages on this book, and it's the one that the, the pages that happen in Newberry, South Carolina, where we've got a new mutant, right? And I mean, yeah. those book, those pages are just wasted. 
they're just wasted. There's 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 nothing interesting happening on those on those panels. There's also nothing interesting happening in South Carolina. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. The reason why we have a South Carolina is just so we can have a backup to North Carolina. Yeah. We've got two. Because server Carolina down. burns down somehow. <laughs> That's We've right. got the South one. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And that aspect of the story, I'm still trying to figure out where that's going. Yeah. Um, well, I think Maria Hill's uh, building her own uh, mutant team. Oh, I think yeah. she's going to make her own X-Men, a, a group of S.H.I.E.L.D. X-Men. So we're going to have uh, three X-Men books. Well, we well, already have uh, like six X-Men books. Yeah, we're going to have like 19 X-Men books, Paul. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to rearrange our outline here to talk a little bit since we're talking about – What makes you think you have the authority to just arbitrarily Whoa. go and rearrange our outline? What the fuck are you doing? We had a social contract, Paul, a social goddamn contract about this agenda, and now you're just going to go around and arbitrarily move it. Who the hell do you think you are, Paula Ponte? Ah, well, you know, just seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure we're talking about X-Men. We should probably talk about Cyclops number three. Oh, yeah, that seems fair. OK, I, I, I don't disagree with with your method, Paul. I disagree with the fact that you got it wrong the first time. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was looking at the outline and I'm like, why did I put Cyclops all the way down there? Yeah, uh, <laughs> pull your so, head out your ass. Jeez. I know I suck. <laughs> So uh, Cyclops number three came out this week, and um, you know, unfortunately, it's it's tainted a little bit for me. Oh dear. Because uh, you know, at uh, San Diego Comic Con, it was announced that Greg Rucka is leaving Cyclops. Why? Why would he do that to me? <laughs> Same reason that uh, Warren Ellis, I guess, is leaving Moon Knight. Well, I don't really care about that. Well, I care about that. <laughs> I care about this. <laughs> So Rucka can't have nice things. That's why it's happening. <laughs> yeah, he, he's issue five will be his last issue before John Lehman takes over, um, and a new artist, Javier Garon, starting with issue six. Uh, this makes me sad. I'm I'm crushed. According to uh, a Nick Lowe from Marvel, uh, Greg Rucka's novel schedule was getting really intense, and he he needed to uh, to take a break from Cyclops. So, you know, I'm, I'm, else, I'm really What else is he working that. on, Paul? Do you, do you know what other books he's working well, on he's, right now? He's got uh, well, other comic books or novels? Yeah. Because he's got yeah, Bravo, uh, which is either out or coming out. And so he'll be doing, uh, I think, Charlie after that. But uh, I don't think he's working on any other comics right now. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love Greg Rucka. I love his novels. I love his comics. Um, but he doesn't seem to play well in the comics world. Um, in terms of like getting along with people on teams. So I wonder if there wasn't another reason because, you know, he, he, he has rage quit uh, DC in the past. Yeah. So I think he just, I think, and here's the thing. He does great work um, on yeah. DC, in DC and in Marvel. Yeah. I love but, his stuff, but maybe he's more of a creator own kind of guy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and you know, I love last and that's the other book he's working on is I'm sorry, is Lazarus and Lazarus with Michael Lark is fantastic. That is a good book. Yeah. So, you know, Cyclops number three continues the story of, um, you know, Cyclops and his dad and, you know, kind of gives a revelation as to what exactly is happening with his father. And so, Tim, what would you think of uh, this week's Cyclops? Corsair needs the chronic is what he needs. (laughs) And uh, we've all been there. (laughs) Um, No, I, I really love the fact that. You know, the story goes through uh, Cyclops finally confronting him about it, and that we get the whole story that, you know, it's 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 basically uh, nano machines that help keep him alive. 
and there's that's the reason why it's you know illegal. Um, I like that, and I like the fact that you know Corsair says that we might I might not be around for much longer, but you know the end, like the end page of this book was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know I. Like I said, like I said before with this book, I'm getting my Damian Wayne, Bruce Wayne, like father son fix on this, and I'm I'm sad to hear that Greg Ruck is leaving, but yeah, um, I'm hopeful that they continue that vibe and we'll be okay. Yeah, it's been an awfully good book, and you know I'm right there with you, Tim. I'm I'm enjoying the relationship between these two characters, uh, and you know it, it, it's fun to see them you know romping through space. Yeah. Well, and I gotta say, uh, you know, 20th Century Fox. I hope you're paying attention to Guardians of the Galaxy this weekend, because yeah, I'm assuming you have the spell jammers in your properties. Hey, star, star, I space say, jammers. Sorry. Yeah. Star, star jammers. Star jammers. Whatever. Star something jammers. jammers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, strawberry jammers. Strawberry jammers. I I wouldn't. I would enjoy a star jammers movie. Yeah, I, no, I think I, these characters I, are really interesting, and I love the uh, the, the talk about um, God. What was that character's name? Uh, the other, Hatsuba? no, the other uh, the other Summers brother. Vulcan. Oh, Havoc. Havoc. Yeah. No, no, the other the other. Oh, other. Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed you know the callback to that, even though that storyline was not very good. Well, and but I mean, we did get the explanation because we all thought that Corsair was dead, so you know we yeah. did finally get the explanation of what the hell happened there. So. Yeah, it was good stuff. I, I dug this book. Absolutely. And I'm I'm, I'm really sad to see Greg Rucker leave. I, I I just I absolutely love him, and uh, I I think he's been really good on this book. And I like John Lehman. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've not seen a book from John Lehman that ha- had the heart that these first three issues of Cyclops have had. Yeah. So hopefully he doesn't lose that. But you know, if you're leaving the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And you're wanting, you know, something in that flavor from Marvel. Cyclops is the book to read. Yeah, it might be the only thing they got right yeah. now. It's like that. Yeah, it's not the Guardians of the Galaxy book. It's Cyclops. Though, you know, um, and I, I should probably double check before I say this. You know, Comicsology has that Guardians of the Galaxy sale going on. Yep. Um, All the Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning stuff. Yeah, that, that. Oh, and it goes through August 5th, so it'll still be yep. out when this episode drops. Um, that stuff was was great, and that informed the movie more than anything else. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, ignore, ignore the 2014 releases. <laughs> yeah. So you know, sticking with Marvel, one more Marvel book we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, it, continuing my trend of picking up things I said I wasn't going to. Here, here it is. I wasn't going to pick up Hawkeye anymore because of the irregular release schedule. But then I found out that the series is ending, um, so I thought, eh, why the hell not? I'll, keep, I'll pick it up through the ending. And so this issue, number 19, came out, which, since I, I, th- I don't know if I've missed an issue or, or not, but, I mean, this kind of picks up exactly where I stopped buying anyway. Yeah, I think you've missed like 12 issues, but it is picking up right where you left off. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think I – because where I left off, you know, Hawkeye and his brother had been taken down by an assassin. And this picks up right after that. Right. And so you know, this is, uh, this is the Hawkeye is deaf issue. So you get a lot of sign language and you know, uh, muddled word balloons and things like that. So you know it's a different storytelling style, and you know it's some of the, the 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 great storytelling that we've come to expect from Hawkeye. You know the unique storytelling, like the story told from the dog's perspective, and and that kind of thing. This is another issue like that. Um, so Aaron, Hawkeye nineteen. So 
I'm of I'm of two minds on this book. Okay. One, I think visually it is told in a in a very interesting, creative, and dynamic way. Um, you know, I think the incorporation of, of ASL into uh, the, the the different panels is brilliant. Um, I, I I think that that David uh, Aja did did a, a magnificent job. You know, telling the story in a visual format. You didn't do it right, Aaron. I'm sorry, David. Aha! Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> That said, I found that I found it to be unsatisfying, and I think I found it to be unsatisfying because of the delayed release schedule. I'm not reading these things back to back to back. I think this will be a much better story collected. Um, I don't read American Sign Language. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was a little disappointed that uh, there was no subtitles for those. Right, and so I'm, you know. Call me a lazy reader, but I don't want to sit there and try and figure out what the hell he's saying in sign language. You know what I'm saying? You're um, a lazy reader. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but it, I found that frustrating, and I think that was part of the point. I think part of the point was the frustration of not being able to communicate. I think that was what Fraction and uh, they, uh, Aja were trying to achieve. But I don't want to buy a book that frustrates me. <laughs> That's not my point. I, I and and you know I. You can say, oh, well, the reader doesn't want to be challenged. I don't want to be challenged in my comprehension of the story. That is absolutely correct. And I, I found it frustrating to have to work so hard at it. Uh, but again, I think they did it well. I think it's visually a, a, a very well-told story. Um, and I, I, I think that everything that I'm frustrated by was intentional by the artist. I don't think that it was it was an absence of talent or poor choices. I just think that I disagree with the choices that they made. So I think that it continues in a, a fabulous tradition that we've had in this Hawkeye run that it is extraordinarily well put together. I'm just disagreeing with the manner in which they did it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure there are things that I missed in the story, um, just based on the fact that I'm not familiar with sign language and and, and all of that. Um, <clears throat> that being said, you know, I, I love these characters. I love Hawkeye and I've enjoyed this storyline. Um, it's just, you know, I, 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 I don't disagree with anything you said, I guess is my point here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure I missed aspects of the story and maybe that's the point, but you know, there, there comes a point where I'm not trying to be a jackass here, but where you border on pretentiousness. I uh, agreed. And it, 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 I, and I do feel like there was a little bit of, uh, a pretentious element to the manner in which the story was told. You know, the story that was told from the dog's point of view didn't feel like Eisner bait. Yeah. This kind of does. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe that's an asshole thing to say, but it, it, you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't necessarily necessary. You could have just had a silent issue. Um, you know, instead of, you know, basically saying, no, we're going to give you the ability to read the issue. You just need to know sign language. (laughs) That kind of that kind yeah. of thing, yeah. But that being said, you know, I mean, I, I I do enjoy the book. I enjoy the unique storytelling of it, um, you know. And though this issue was not my favorite, um, you know, when I pick up the book in six, when I pick up next issue in six months, um, <laughs> you know, and get the next part of the storyline, I, I I'll probably be happy with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean it's not going to be the Kate Bishop Haka? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, better know damn well book. be. That's the problem. It could be. It could be the cartoon that Hawkeye watches on. You know, that's right. Oh, yeah, it could be the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I figure we should probably talk about something from DC. Really? 
Well, I mean, we we is that uh, what we're doing now? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do that. Just I mean, because you know, Marvel flooded the marketplace with the uh, with books this week. Um, but the, we only read one DC one. Uh, Justice League number thirty two came out this week, and Tim, you read it. I did. Oh, you've been reading Justice League. Wayne's the one who hasn't been reading Justice League. Right. And so Justice League 32 continues the story of how Lex Luthor comes to become a member of the Justice League and, and Captain Cold as well. Um, but that even but with – But not really. But not really <laughs> because it focuses very much on the new Doom Patrol. God, I hate the Doom Patrol. <laughs> so did you hate this what's, issue? What's the, what's the Doom Patrol? They are basically you're you're feeling this one. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I will tell you, I've not read the Doom Patrol previously. I know there was a um, a Vertigo book that I never really read, but my understanding of the Doom Patrol from this issue is that they are characters who basically would be dead were it not for this one doctor who basic who gives them um, basically hey, he gives hey, them something to stay alive. Go ahead. Right, and well, he 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 has saved all of their lives in one capacity or another. But he's like that guy who dates the fat girl, and says, "Well, you're pretty for a fat girl." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for me, you really wouldn't have anybody. And so he, I mean, he's continually beating them down and saying, "But you know, your life sucks, but I'm here and I'm your guy." And you got to um, do what I want you to do. Just that's do. right. And. My objection to the Doom Patrol has always been that that just seems awfully transparent. You know, I mean, I just I just feel like someone just needs to, uh, you know, pull a an episode of The Strain and just stomp his head into paste. Yeah, and <laughs> I think I think that what we've seen from Robot Man and Negative Man are to the point where you can you can say no, these people are strong enough and will that after about six months of this, they would they would take Nails Calder and throw him off a building. Yeah, and that's my frustration with the Doom yeah. Patrol. Well, and th- this is their introduction, really, in the New 52. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we are seeing that they're fighting back on him. But at the same time, there's still a little bit of that. Yes, we owe him. And I, I got the impression maybe there's a bit of mind control. Maybe he has the ability to kill them, you know, or, you know, or take back the, the gift that is keeping them alive. I it's, don't, not I don't that I, it's not that I object to them in theory. It's I object to picking up a Justice League book and reading Doom Patrol. That's what I object to. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I didn't mind that as much. Um, in fact, I actually, I, I thought the issue was fine. I enjoyed the issue, and uh, you know, I, again, I, I'm not familiar with the Doom Patrol, um, but I, I did enjoy this issue. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about you know these characters: Robot Man, Elastigirl, Negative Man, and uh, you know, it, we got Element Woman, who was a member of the Justice League at one point. So. Can, I ju- can I just say that in this entire run of the Justice League, ever since the first story arc, we've gotten spectacularly little Justice League in the Justice League book? <laughs> I mean, it's it, – it, <laughs> they are stories that happen in and around the Justice League, but it's like with a special cameo by the Justice League. Yeah, which is essentially what this issue was. Yeah. And there's been a lot of that since Forever Evil started. Yeah, and, and, and that's my objection to the to, to this title. While I think the stories are good, I think that it's titled wrong. And to be fair, the cameo by the Justice League was basically uh, Cyborg, and that makes me also throw up in my mouth. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, lo- I love the Lex Luthor story. Like, I'm not going to stop reading Justice League, but man, this book was a disappointment to me. Yeah, and uh, hopefully they'll refocus, because last issue was fantastic. Yeah, with uh, Ooh, yeah. you know the Lex Luthor Bruce Wayne confrontation, so I'm hoping for more of that. So you know, it, 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 you guys are still on board for the next issue. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So one more book, you know, leaving both Marvel and DC. 
that Jonathan and I read this week was from Dynamite Entertainment, The Shadow Over Innsmouth, um, which is written by Ron Mars, features art by Ivan Rodriguez, and tells the story of, basically, just like it sounds, the shadow dealing with Lovecraftian creatures, kind of. Um, so a little bit of spoiler warning on here. It, you know, it is a it is a one shot. So um, if you are planning on reading it, probably want to skip this conversation because there's kind of a twist in the story that is kind of important when you're talking when you're talking about the book. Uh, so Jonathan, what you uh, what you think of it? I mean, I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I didn't care for the pacing. Mm. <laughs> well, listen to you, snobby. <laughs> That's a Paul comment. I mean, it, that that was really my problem. Is that is that uh, you know you turn the page and and all of a sudden, it, like it it just like ends a scene in the middle. It feels like, and then the characters are somewhere else. And it's like, did it, did I miss something? Is are there pages missing from this book? Did you feel that way when I, you I were think, reading it? Uh, yeah. Well, and so. Oh, I, overall, I enjoyed the book. Overall, I thought it was good. I, you know, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the twist. I, you know, it, it fit within the shadow universe for me. But I, who, I felt, who is the shadow? Did he actually exist? Yeah, like, yeah, he's, a yeah. He's a he's like a pulp hero. Um, he's been around for a long time. Um, Since like the 1930s. Yeah, oh. I think he, I think he actually predates Batman. He does. That's a lot of what uh, Bob Kane based Batman on came from the shadow. Oh, so you know, it, it's Batman's a, better. <laughs> if Batman's better than everybody, though. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I enjoyed the shadow aspect of the book. You know, I I enjoyed that part of it. I do feel like maybe there it was a disservice only doing it as a one shot. Um, and, and I think that goes to Jonathan's point, which is some of it just felt like okay, whoa, whoa, okay, we're on the next scene already. Uh, yeah, like it felt like the story had it been four issues would have had a little bit more room to breathe. So you're saying you would would have preferred a decompressed story? I would have preferred it a little more decompressed than what we got. I felt like you know putting it all, all in one book. Um, I would have liked a little bit more of the story. I thought you know I, I would have liked it to be a little longer. It, it, when and you know the thing about one shots is I don't know for me it's very easy for your story to feel rushed in a one shot if you you know if it's not a small story and this isn't really a small story. You know, a lot happens in a small amount of time, including, you know, delving into the Lovecraftian legends and things like that. And I would have liked a little more space given to some of those things. I I agree. And overall, I didn't know it was a one shot when I read it. I just read it and then figured it out afterwards. And uh, and I'm just like, oh, man, like all this just to make a pun. (laughs) <laughs> basically i mean it, it here's the thing i i just I, I the art on it was great i thought ivan rodriguez did a great job um i i enjoy reading the phantom and i wouldn't mind seeing ron mars write more um, phantom jesus more shadow um but it just it, it needed more room i think you know as, as a one shot it, it's such a cool concept it, I, I would have liked more room for it so that's how I felt about it. it. Sounds like you felt similarly, Jonathan. Yeah, and I just like I, I don't know. I I thought the I thought the shadow was going to be more of a more of a hero, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's not uh, really that kind of guy. He's no, not, no, he he shoots people. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, he's he's all about a very uh, 
a very black and white sort of justice. So, you know, if you're a bad guy, you're completely bad and you have to you have to go down. Well, he's also, kind of an asshole, too. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I mean, he uses just a, a regular clothing item to cover his face. And I thought only the pocket square did that sort of thing. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> Well, the pocket square is also heavily based on the shadow. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, talking about some upcoming releases, I we were sent um, a preview copy of The Sword and the Butterfly, the newest graphic novel from Razor Wolf Entertainment. Um, if you're not familiar with the company, uh, this is their third graphic novel. Uh, they are um, – it's formed by Matthias Wolf, friend of the podcast, Matthias Wolf. He he um, talked with uh, Ideology of Madness when his uh, first graphic novel came out, Unbreakable. Um, and I enjoyed Unbreakable 1 and 2, and now his newest release is out, uh, The Sword and the Butterfly, written by Math- Matthias Wolf, but art by Jim Jimenez. And um, this kind of reimagines the Arthurian legend – um, brings a sci-fi element into it, uh, you know, deals with the legend of Excalibur and things like that. And, you know, there's I, – I, because the book is – you know, this is a, an advanced preview copy. I don't want to spoil any of the story because it's – it goes into a very different direction than any Arthurian book that I've read before. Um, but it is coming out uh, soon from Razor Wolf Entertainment. If you know, check out uh, razorwolfentertainment.com for more information. And if you're interested, definitely pre-order the book and support uh, Razor Wolf Productions and Matt Wolf. Awesome. What's coming out next week, Paul? So next week, speaking of graphic novels, Thanos: The Infinity Revelation, written and drawn by Jim Starlin, comes out next week. Do you see they they released some new pages this week? They did. So I have uh, a question, Aaron. Yeah. Are, are we paying twenty five bucks for it, or are we waiting for Amazon? Uh, whoo. Oof. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. That's that's a that's a hard choice. That's is the sound of a man waiting for Amazon. Is it, is this something new or is it a collection it's of a, uh, old it, stories? It's a new Jim Starlin book. Oh. I think I I think I'm gonna have. You know, I'm sorry. I, I don't think because Amazon's gonna have it for what? Eighteen bucks? No, twenty. Oh, so it's just a five dollar savings? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll probably just go ahead and pick it up then. Yeah. If, if it was, does if it, it come was, with a digital code? Um, it doesn't say on the. Uh, you know, on the screenshot of the, the you know, the, 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 the picture of the cover, but uh-huh. most of their original graphic novels have been lately. Yeah, that's what my thought was. Aaron's going to have to look up the directions to his brick and mortar. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will probably be, 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 I won't probably. I, it's fucking Thanos. I'm picking it up. I know. Yeah, no, I'll pick it up as well. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I've been looking forward to that for quite some time. And not only is it Thanos, it features the return of Adam Warlock. I, I can't wait on this. <laughs> Adam Warrock, sweet. (laughs) My prediction for uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is that Adam Warlock's in it. I hope so. I hope so. Is he going to be rapping? (laughs) He will be. He will be. Awesome. What were you saying, John? I I was actually surprised that that he wasn't in the cast of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. When I I was looking over the, the cast on IMDb, I was just like, wow, Adam Warlock's not part of the team because... The only thing I know from Guardians of the Galaxy is the, the Abnett and Lamming, like uh, the summer event that they did when I was yeah. on Funny Books before. And, and he book. was and he was a major character. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was just a major character with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, And he was during that DNA run, but uh, for whatever reason, they chose not to put him in this movie. Yeah. Well, and, you know, half of Guardians of the Galaxy uh, were part of the Infinity Watch. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, unfortunately, we'll probably never see a, a warlock in the Infinity Watch movie. I'm hoping we get to see Pip the Troll. Oh, That's God. oh God damn it. Yes. <laughs> no. He could be played by that dude from Game of Thrones. <laughs> the one short guy ever. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is oh, every man. short guy you've ever known. Oh, he, no. He Peter was already Dinklage in a Marvel movie. Man. I'm sorry. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a Marvel movie. Let's just get that. It was let's fun. just get that straight. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I would I, I would be OK with that. Be OK <laughs> with what? With uh, Pip the Troll being in a in a Marvel Universe movie. OK, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I'm not Peter Dinklage's agent, but he's not reading a script where he's Pip the Troll. Oh, so that doesn't happen. I believe he is. Doesn't happen. If he'll do the station agent, he'll by goddamn do Pip the Troll. <laughs> No, he's bigger than that now. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yep. <laughs> Tim, he was in the Chronicles of Narnia. I think he's okay playing everybody that type needs, of every, Listen, my client, everybody needs a check sometimes. He's he's good right now. Well, he needed two checks because he was an elf also. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Keep going. There's no defending that. <laughs> <laughs> Send it over. <laughs> Uh, so also from Marvel Comics, we get the second issues of Legendary Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon. And I know we didn't talk about them on the podcast, but I really enjoyed both of those first issues. Now, you sent me the Rocket Raccoon book. Correct. Code for it. And thank you, Paul. That was very, very generous and kind for you uh, of you. Um, but boy, I hated that book. Did you really? I did. I hated it. I, I And it's just because it's it's told in that all age friendly art style. But it's not an uh, all-ages-friendly book. No, it's not, but it's the art style. Yeah. And I just – I don't care for that. Aaron wants his $0 back. <laughs> I, You know, I, I, even though I didn't have to pay a financial price, I did pay an opportunity cost. <laughs> I, need, I need that time back, Paul. <laughs> I'll get right on that. It's the only <laughs> thing I remember from economics. <laughs> <laughs> also from Marvel Comics, we get the final issue of Warren Ellis' run on Moon Knight, Moon Knight number six. It breaks my heart he's leaving that book. It really does for me too. Especially, you know, they're leaving the book to do another book. Uh, they're doing a book from Image, which goes to tell me that either they told what they wanted to tell on Moon Knight or maybe they just weren't happy with the working experience on it. I tell you what, there is not another writer in the business who does done in one better than him. No, absolutely there, not. There, there is – I mean from his work on Secret Avengers, his work on Moon Knight, I mean there is nobody else who can tell as satisfying a story one and done than Warren Ellis. Agreed. Um, we also get the conclusion of uh, the current New Avengers arc in New Avengers 22 next week. And and, and I'm going to I'm going to go back to Warren Ellis for just a second. because oh, I just sure. had a brilliant idea. You know what he needs to be doing? He needs to be doing the Marvel annuals. Yes, that's I mean, because, you know, the annuals always suck these days. Um, I, I, I really think get somebody like Warren Ellis to just write all your annuals. I'd all be OK with that. Yeah. So Marvel Comics get on that. And that would be right in his time wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like I mentioned, the New Avengers 22 concluding the, uh, the current arc, um, which we didn't discuss this week, but we'll probably discuss when the conclusion comes out. I, I can't believe it's actually going to end. Well, this thing has been going on for freaking ever. <laughs> well, because next month, remember, New Avengers and Avengers are both jumping forward eight months in time. Whew. So we're going to get the conclusion of the current arcs in Avengers and New Avengers. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, about she, damn time. That's all <laughs> I got to say. Agreed. Uh, She-Hulk number seven comes out featuring the return of artist Javier <laughs> Pulido. Oh, thank oh God. there's a different artist. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the long darkness is over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also from Marvel Comics, Superior Spider-Man number 32 comes out. And uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a storyline that involved some time travel in Superior Spider-Man. And there was a time where um, – there was a period of time where Superior Spider-Man jumped to the future and came back and oh, yeah, yeah. couldn't remember what happened. Well, we're about to find out because Superior Spider-Man jumped into 2099. And so to lead into the upcoming Spider-Verse crossover, we're getting Superior Spider-Man 32 and 33 written by Dan Slott, art by Giuseppe Kimunkali. Uh, featuring what happened to Superior Spider-Man in 2099. You know, in my head, I have this Looney Tunes picture of a hallway and a bunch of doors, and pe- like it's more like Scooby-Doo, and they're running back and forth. Only it's Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> we just don't know where they're going to end up. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're getting a little bit another Superior Spider-Man adventure. So I'm on board. Huh? Yep. What? Yeah, I'm not. Huh. What the? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm not no? buying that book. I think I'm not buying that book. Really? I, Wait, why? I, 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 because I'm done with the Superior Spider-Man story. Yeah, and they killed him. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't need the. This is just another grab at my wallet. No, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, and my and my heartstrings yeah. at the same time. I'm out. <laughs> oh well, that's a shame. Yeah, I'm buying it. Um, Tim and I will be sitting at the bar being bitter together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about three drinks in, I'll start screaming about Paul Loving killing Damian Wayne. <laughs> that'll fuck. That'll fucking happen. And then the Paul knife comes out. Douchebag. So we're getting, uh, I believe, the final two chapters of the Doomed crossover next week with Action Comics 34 and Action Comics Annual uh, next week from DC Comics. And this is the Superman storyline. Correct. Mm-hmm. The Superman it took me a second. Took me a second to realize what we we're talking about. Yeah, sorry. Right. Which, you know, which only touches one of the books I read, but I haven't disliked any of it that I've seen. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed the storyline quite a bit. I'm sorry. We get the final three chapters of Doomed because we get Action Comics, Action Comics Annual, and Superman Wonder Woman Annual next week, all from DC Comics. Um, so we get three chapters of Doomed next week. So. If you like the storyline, you're going to be very happy next week. Um, I'm very broke. Yeah. Uh, also from DC Comics, we get the continuation of Earth 2, uh, which if you haven't been reading, you know, it has the new Superman doing battle with uh, the old Superman. Pretty excited about that. I believe I believe that's uh, Superman versus Black Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also from DC Comics, Grayson number two. Even Oof. though no one on the podcast read Grayson number one, I really quite enjoyed it. Uh, so Grayson number Wait two comes out. Next Are you week. not on the podcast? No one on the uh, no one important. On no the one. Okay, un- thank I was going to say no one unimportant, but uh, <laughs> I beat you to it. Yeah. So, it, it, but I enjoyed Grayson, and I recommend picking up issue one and two. Um, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Do it. Do it. Don't, do it. No. Also from DC Comics, uh, Vertigo, uh, Trillium, the trade paperback, uh, the eight-issue arc by written and drawn by Jeff Lemire, the uh, science fiction story that Wayne and I um, started reading. We talked about it on the podcast when it first came out. comes out next week. So I, I recommend checking that one out. It's really a cool book. And uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, Flash Gordon number four comes out next. Oh week. yeah, oh yeah, I'm down. Oh yeah, me too. 
<laughs> At least I imagine I'll be. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan, will you be joining us next week for uh, another exciting adventure of Funny Books? Yeah. Um, and coming up uh, this this coming weekend on the ideologyofmadness.com feed is the Sandbox session for Knights of Rainsboro Season 3. Welcome to the United Tribes. Um, so be sure and check that out. Paul is not welcomed in the United Tribes. Well, that's true. That's well, true. Hey, 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 spoilers. I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, cur- I'm currently listening to the Sandbox sessions for Season 2. Oh, cool. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of Ghosts of Rainsboro. So, and if you haven't checked out issue or episode one of uh, United Tribes, it's out right there, right out there. It's it's right out there. It's right out. It's it's on the internet on uh, the Ideology of Madness feed. So check that out, um, and uh, we will talk to all of you next week. Very good. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. need that Wayne. We got Jonathan. Yeah. Fuck that Wayne guy. We've got 100% Wayne. less Paul joke. <laughs> I, I agree with that hashtag I saw on the internet. Fire Wayne Cole. Hire John, Jonathan Langley. I, you know, I, I was actually a little worried when I wrote that. I'm like, I hope this doesn't come off as like I'm attacking Wayne. <laughs> he doesn't read Twitter. It's fine. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just making a reference. I, uh, no, you, you, it, we totally agreed with your sentiment nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs>